Chapter Twenty Three of A Son of the Middle Border. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ina Dabisher. A Son of the Middle Border by Hamlin Garland. Chapter Twenty Three Coasting Down Mount Washington. In spite of all our anxiety, we enjoyed the search for work. The farmers were all so comically inquisitive. A few of them took us for what we were, students out on a vacation. Others, though kind enough, seemed lacking in hospitality from the western point of view, and some were openly suspicious. But the roads, the road, in the west thoroughfares ran on section lines and were defined by wire fences here they curved like indian trails following bright streams and the stone walls which bordered them were festooned with vines as in a garden that night we lodged in the home of an old farmer an octogenarian who had never in all his life been twenty miles from his farm he had never seen boston or portland but he had been twice to nashua returning however in time for supper he as well as his wife dear simple soul looked upon us as next door to educated indians and entertained us in a flutter of excited hospitality we told him of dakota of the prairies describing the wonderful farm machinery and boasting of the marvelous crops our father had raised in iowa and the old people listened in delighted amaze they put us to bed at last in a queer high-posted corded bedstead and i had a feeling that we were taking part in a colonial play it was like living a story-book we stared at each other in a stupor of satisfaction we had never hoped for such luck to be thrust back abruptly into the very life of our forebears was magical and the excitement and delight of it kept us whispering together long after we should have been asleep this was thirty years ago and those kindly old souls have long since returned to dust but their big four-posted bed is doing service no doubt in the home of some rich collector i have forgotten the names but they shall live here in my book as long as its print shall endure they seemed sorry to have us go next morning but as they had nothing for us to do they could only say good-bye give our love to jane if you see her she lives in illinois illinois and dakota were all the same to them again we started forth along the graceful irregular elm-shaped roads which intersected the land in every direction perfectly happy except when we remembered our empty pockets we could not get accustomed to the trees and the beauty of the vine-clad stone walls the lanes made pictures all the time so did the apple trees and the elms and the bending streams about noon of this day we came to a farm of very considerable size and fairly level on which the hay remained uncut here's our chance i said to my brother and going in boldly accosted the farmer a youngish man with a bright and pleasant face do you want some skilled help i called out the farmer admitted that he did but eyed us as if jokers evidently we did not look precisely like workmen to him but i jolted him by saying we are iowa schoolboys out for a vacation we were raised on a farm and know all about haying if you'll give us a chance we'll make you think you don't know much about harvesting hay 
this amused him come in he said and after dinner we'll see about it at dinner we laid ourselves out to impress our host we told him of the mile wild fields of the west and enlarged upon the stoneless prairies of dakota we described the broadcast cedars they used in minnesota and bragged of the amount of hay we could put up and both of us professed a contempt for two-wheeled carts in the end we reduced our prospective employer to humbleness he consulted his wife a moment and then said all right boys you may take hold we stayed with him two weeks and enjoyed every moment of our stay our expedition is successful i wrote to my parents on sundays we picked berries or went fishing or tumbled about the lawn it was all very beautiful and delightfully secure so that when the time came to part with our pleasant young boss and his bright and cheery wife we were as sorry as they we must move on i insisted there are other things to see after a short stay in portland we took the train for bethel eager to visit the town which our father had described so many times we had resolved to climb the hills on which he had gathered berries and sit on the overset from which he had gazed upon the landscape we felt indeed a certain keen regret that he could not be with us at locksmills we met his old playmates dennis and abner herrick men bent of form and dim of eye gnarled and knotted by the battle with the rocks and barren hillsides and to them we confident lads with our tales of smooth and level ploughlands must have seemed like denizens from some farmer's paradise or perhaps they thought us fictionist i certainly put a powerful emphasis on the pleasant side of western life at that time dennis especially looked upon us with amazement almost with awe to think that we unaided and alone had wandered so far and dared so much while he in all his life had not been able to visit boston was bewildering this static condition of the population was a constant source of wonder to us how could people stay all their lives in one place must be something the matter with them their ox teams and tip carts amused us their stony fields appalled us their restricted parsimonious lives saddened us and so not wishing to be a burden we decided to cut our stay short on the afternoon of our last day abner took us on a tramp over the country pointing out the paths where dick and i played tracing the lines of the old farm which had long since been given over to pasture and so to the trout brook and home in return of our keep we sang that night and told stories of the west and our hosts seemed pleased with the exchange shouldering our faithful grips next morning we started for the railway and took the train for gorham each mile brought us nearer the climax of our trip we of the plains had longed and dreamed of the peaks to us the white mountains were at once the crowning wonder and chief peril of our expedition they were to be in a very real sense the test of our courage the iron crest of mount washington allured us as a lighthouse lures seabirds leaving gorham on foot and carrying our inseparable valises we started westward along the road leading to the peaks expecting to get lodging at some farmhouse but as we stood aside to let gay coaches pass 
laden with glittering women and haughty men we began to feel abused we were indeed quaint objects each of us wore a long yellow linen duster and each bore a valise and a stick as an irishman carries a bundle we feared neither wind nor rain but wealth and coaches oppressed us nevertheless we trudged cheerily along drinking at the beautiful springs beside the road plucking the blackberries for refreshment lifting our eyes often to the snow-flecked peaks to the west at noon we stopped at a small cottage to get some milk and there again met a pathetic lonely old couple the woman was at least eighty and very crusty with her visitors till i began to pet the enormous maltese cat which came purring to our feet what a magnificent animal i said to frank this softened the old woman's heart she not only gave us bread and milk but sat down to gossip with us while we ate she too had relatives out there somewhere in iowa and would hardly let us go so eager was she to know all about her people surely you must have met them as we neared the foot of the great peak we came upon hotels of all sizes but i had not the slightest notion of staying even at the smallest having walked twelve miles to the foot of the mountain we now decided to set out for the top still carrying those precious bags upon our shoulders what we expected to do after we got to the summit i cannot say for we knew nothing of conditions there and were too tired to imagine we just kept climbing sturdily doggedly breathing heavily more with excitement than with labor for it seemed that we were approaching the moon so bleak and high the roadway ran i had miscalculated sadly it had looked only a couple of hours brisk walk from the hotel but the way lengthened out toward the last in a most disheartening fashion where will we stay queried frank oh we'll find a place somewhere i answered but i was far from being as confident as i sounded we had been told that it cost five dollars for a night's lodging at the hotel but i entertained some vague notion that other and cheaper places offered perhaps i thought that a little village on the summit presented boarding-houses no matter we're in for it now i stoutly said we'll find a place we've got to find a place it grew cold as we rose surprisingly dishearteningly cold and we both realized that to sleep in the open would be to freeze as the night fell our clothing wet with perspiration became almost as clammy as sheet iron and we shivered with weakness as well as with frost the world became each moment more barren more wind swept and frank was almost at his last gasp it was long after dark and we were both trembling with fatigue and hollow with hunger as we came opposite a big barn just at the top of the trail the door of this shelter stood invitingly open and creeping into an empty stall we went to sleep on the straw like a couple of homeless dogs we did not for a moment think of going to the hotel which loomed like a palace a few rods further on a couple of hours later i was awakened by the crunch of a boot upon my ankle followed by an oath of surprise the stage driver coming in from his last trip was looking down upon me i could not see his face but i did note 
the bright eyes and pricking ears of a noble gray horse standing just behind his master and champing his bit with impatience sleepy scared and bewildered i presented my plea with such eloquence that the man put his team in another stall and left us to our straw but you get out of here before the boss sees you said he or there'll be trouble we'll get out before daybreak i replied heartily when i next awoke it was dawn and my body was so stiff i could hardly move we had slept cold and our muscles resented it however we hurried from the barn once safely out of reach of the boss we began to leap and dance and shout to the sun as it rose out of the mist for this was precisely what we had come two thousand miles to see sunrise on mount washington it chanced gloriously that the valleys were filled with a misty sea breaking soundlessly at our feet and we forgot cold hunger poverty in the wonder of being above the clouds in course of time our stomachs moderated our transport over the view and i persuaded my brother who was younger and more delicate in appearance to approach the kitchen and purchase a handout frank being harshly persuaded by his own need ventured forth and soon came back with several slices of bread and butter and part of a cold chicken which made the day perfectly satisfactory and in high spirits we started to descend the western slope of the mountain here we performed the incredible our muscles were so sore and weak that we attempted to walk down the railway track our knees refused to bear our weight and while creeping over the ties groaning and sighing with pain a bright idea suddenly irrigated my mind as i studied the iron groove which contained the cogs in the middle of the track i perceived that its edges were raised a little above the level of the rails and covered with oil it occurred to me that it might be possible to slide down this track on a plank if only i had a plank i looked to the right a miracle there in the ditch lay a plank of exactly the right dimensions i seized it i placed it crosswise of the rails all aboard i called frank obeyed i took my place at the other end and so with our valises between us we began to slip slowly smoothly and with joyous ease down the shining track hoopla we had taken a wing we had solved our problem the experiment was successful laughing and shouting with exultation we swept on we had but to touch every other tie with our heels in order to control our speed so we coasted smoothly genially on we went mile after mile slipping down the valley into the vivid sunlight our eyes on the glory scenery about us down down like a swooping bird once we passed above some workmen who looked up in open-mouthed amazement and cursed us in voices which seemed far and faint and futile a little later the superintendent of the water tank warningly shouted stop that get off but we only laughed at him and swept on out over a high trestle where none could follow at times our heads grew dizzy with the flicker and glitter of the rocks beneath us and as we rounded dangerous curves of the track or descended swift slides with almost uncontrollable rapidity i had some doubts but we kept our wits remained upon the rails and at last 
spun around the final bend and came to a halt upon a level stretch of track just above the little station there kicking aside our fateful plank we took up our valises and with trembling knees and a sense of triumph set off down the valley of the wild amonusuk end of chapter twenty three